Hi, this is Mark Rabin. Before the episode, let me quickly tell you about my new book. It's titled Measures of Success. It's a book that will help you react less to your performance metrics, every up and down in those. It'll help you lead better. It'll help you improve more. So you can learn more about the book by going to www.measuresofsuccessbook.com or you can search Amazon. It's available as a print book, a Kindle book. It's available through Apple Books. I hope you'll check it out. Hi, this is Mark Raven. If you like this podcast, you might realize I have a blog, leanblog.org. Did you also know that I have another podcast called Lean Blog Audio? And there I basically, occasionally, or as often as I can, I read audiobook style versions of blog posts. So you can go to leanblog.org slash audio or search in your favorite podcast place for Lean Blog Audio. I hope that'll give you something else uh, that's food for thought, something else to help you in your lean journey. Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 337 of the podcast. It's March 20th, 2019. I want to first make a quick announcement. Uh, My most recent book titled Measures of Success, React Less, Lead Better, Improve More, is now available as a paperback book. You can buy it through Amazon. You can also buy it a couple different ways through the book's website, which is www.measuresofsuccessbook.com. You can buy a signed copy from me. You can do a bulk order. It's a 260-page full-color book. So um, the printing cost um, leads to uh, a retail price of $34.95, but Amazon, at least as I'm recording this, um, has been discounting the book to under $17. If you go to Amazon.com, Amazon in Canada has also had, I I think, a little bit of a discount. But you can learn more about the book and all of those different ways to buy it, including the e-books. Again, go to www.measuresofsuccessbook.com. Well, today with the podcast, it's my second straight episode with a healthcare CEO. Joining me today is Vance Jackson. He is the president and CEO of Davis Health System, which is based in Elkins, West Virginia. So today we talk about how he was admittedly skeptical about lean at a previous healthcare organization. But over time, or maybe it didn't really take that long, eventually he realized the importance of lean and the need for him to lead differently, working to get input from everybody instead of falling into the old autocratic way that we see, unfortunately, in so many healthcare organizations. So how does Vance lead by example as a CEO? Why is it so important for him to go out to the Gemba or the the actual workplace to observe the actual work being done in the workplace environment? I think that's a really um, interesting thing that Vance does, and I'm glad he has a lot to share with us here today. So if you want to find links to uh, show notes and other information, you can go to leanblog.org slash 337. I also want to thank the firm Value Capture for um, suggesting and arranging the interview with Vance. Uh, Davis Health System was is uh, a client of Value Capture. In terms of disclosures, I sometimes work as a subcontractor to Value Capture. And uh, I just want to make sure that that um, I've already disclosed it, so I'm rambling into the end of the introduction, but here is uh, our guest, Vance Jackson. Vance, hi. Thank you so much for taking time to join us on the podcast. How are you? Very good. It's a pleasure to be here. So I was wondering, I always like to let guests introduce themselves. If you could tell the audience um, a little bit about yourself and your career and and how it was that you... uh, you know, I guess, end of the story, became president and CEO of uh, the health system. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I've been, um, I'm the, currently the uh, president and CEO of Davis Health System in Elkins, West Virginia. But uh, my career, uh, I'm about uh, 33 years into a, a healthcare career that uh, went into after I, I exited uh, the United States Air Force in 1985 and never really anticipated going into air, uh, into um, Healthcare, um, but 
but you know, you just you just never know. And and I I started out in public health um, and and found my way into into hospitals and health systems, and it's been it's been a great um, experience, uh, uh, and and I enjoy it tremendously. I, I moved from public health to to medical group management and then into uh, hospital administration once uh, health systems started buying up medical groups. I thought, well, they seem to have all the money and, and buying all the medical groups. So I'll switch over to the hospital side and manage uh, medical practices on the hospital side and then and then um, move more into the overall administration. Um, before here, I was with the uh, Mercy Health System of Iowa. I was there for 10 years and and uh, got here a little over three years ago. And um, and, and it was an opportunity. Um, there, there's so much consolidation occurring in healthcare today, especially on in health systems, that uh, there's there's um, in Mercy Health System was was a statewide system, but it was actually owned by uh, jointly between uh, Catholic Health Initiatives and Trinity Health, two big bigger Catholic systems. So uh, a lot of transition towards systems, and and this was a kind of an independent small rural system that uh, was still, like I say, independent. So I thought, well, there's an opportunity to to not just be a CEO, but be the CEO that that gets the final say. <laughs> In decisions, uh, and I thought I'd be wanted to try that at least uh, once in my career. So here I am, and it and it's been a it's been a very good experience. And and I think now is the right time to be in this role uh, because there's so much you learn moving from diff- through different types of organizations and different settings. And I think I'm here at the right time in my career. Mm-hmm. And we'll come back and talk about your leadership um, as CEO and the role you play in encouraging and, and supporting lean in the organization. Um, and, and may, but you know, but first, you know, I'm, I'm curious, and, and this goes back um, earlier before your time at Davis. But other question I always like to ask people is, you know, how and when did you first get introduced to lean? Yeah, so so the first formal introduction um, was was with um, the Mercy Health System of of Iowa. Um, I was I managed a a network hospital. It was not owned, but it was it was contract managed. So I was CEO of a county hospital. We were connected to um, Mercy of North Iowa, and the CEO at that hospital. Um, I, I'm not, I don't know where he got it from, but but he decided um, lean principles um, and lean the lean approach to process improvement was was where they needed to go and so he introduced it to uh, once they brought it into Mercy North Iowa they began to introduce it to the the network affiliated hospitals and um, and um, Michael Johnston who who was was uh, with Mercy then went to um, Carolina's mm-hmm. health yeah and I know Michael yeah yeah, he he introduced it to me, and 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 I had I when I was in Danville, Virginia, I had had done a lot of training around the Duran method, uh, but I think that was more of the Six Sigma and uh, statistical process control, very mathematical. Um, the the one how Michael introduced it was was more of engaging frontline employees. He himself had come out of the Toyota system, and um, and it and it. At first, I, <laughs> I was resistant to it because I'm like everybody else here. Some here's another system they're trying to 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 ingrain in us, and and um, but but it, it for the first time I really embraced. I felt like I embraced something that made sense to me. And and so, how did you come? I mean, did did it take very long before, like you said, it it, it made sense and. You decide, oh, that maybe this is different than all the other programs that have been thrown at us before, or did it take some time? I think it took time. Um, Michael Michael came in, and he himself was in the process of earning a doctorate in in, in management or and and leadership, and and he was using Lean as kind of his his curriculum to get to that endpoint, and. And he presented it from an area very academic perspective. We did a lot of classroom work um, that he led other CEOs, you know, it was a group of CEOs that, that he led through that process. And 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 I'll say when when we got to the point where and and he really introduced the A3 problem solving, practical problem solving as kind of the first tool. 
And, and that's where I really started getting hooked because when you start actually doing it, you start seeing the, the, the impact that it has on the people who do the work. And you start seeing affect how people perceive their own, their own job and, and their, their responsibility, whatever that is, in solving problems or, or improving the work they do. And, 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 you get, and to me, it was those moments. And Michael was really good about celebrating those moments when people would say, this is it. <laughs> this is what I've been looking for. And, and you see people change how they, how they look at their job almost um, the moment they kind of get it. And I don't know what that get it really means, <laughs> even after doing it for this many years. <laughs> that, yeah. that get it moment is still, it still, it still excites me every time I see somebody experience that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit different for each person. You know, as, yeah. you know, I think you know, change, acceptance of new ideas is a process. You know, it's funny you're the second guest recently um, on the podcast. Back in episode three thirty four, I, I talked to a guy Barry McCarthy from Australia, and he worked for Toyota there for uh, a long time. But in the conversation, he said before joining Toyota, he was in more of a food production industry. And he's, he used the word resisting. He said, oh, when I first learned about this Toyota stuff, I was kind of resistant to it as well. But he came along. And, and I think you, you said it really well. Like I cringe when I hear sometimes people talk about, oh, well, this lean theory. I'm like, well, yeah, there's theory, but it's practice, right? It should be something that, that, that we can quickly demonstrate uh, to people and let them demonstrate that, yeah, there's benefits here, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, Michael was very academic, but he had an associate that he brought with him, Bob Musman and, and Bob had been in the Toyota system and, and he was, and they worked well together, but they approached it a little bit differently, I think, but partly due to their, to the roles they had. But Bob was like, you know, a threes, you just do it and do it and do it. And you don't have to do it perfect. Just, you know, he used to yeah. say, don't let uh, excellent get in the way of good. Mm-hmm. And, and he was very much about, okay, if you, if you don't get it right, just tear it up and start over. You yeah. know, it, <laughs> there was not too much that, to erase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so he, he really was just, you know, just figure it out as you go along and, and, and let it, uh, let it uh, develop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thinking back to, you know, it was, we, talked in in our prep call you know you talked about some of your experiences there at mercy and i'm I'm curious if you can talk about what did you learn about going and doing workplace observation yeah that that is tough uh (laughs) and and even to this day as as many of them as i've done and for different reasons or different purposes um it's it still you know that you still get that moment of uncomfortableness when you walk in and and everybody's kind of looking at you and, and but but it, it never fails that i learn something every time i do it and i learn something about myself and i learn something about the work that i'm observing and 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 the different reasons you're doing it just observe without asking questions or observing to learn more and you you ask probing questions or socratic using the socratic method to try to better understand and and it, it even though like i say it, it's i guess it's like people who like acting and being on stage is there's always that stage fright but doing observations that in, if you can just and that's what i tell people if you can just get past that initial moment of 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 uncertainty as you walk into that setting uh you learn so much and 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 that's and like i say it just every time i do it i learn something different um about what i'm observing and who i'm observing and and it really is it's you understand things that you never really captured before Mm -hmm. so it sounds like that's something that you continue doing even now at davis health system yeah, yeah, we what's part of we as part of our Davis Way training and 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 Davis Way is what we call our our, our process excellence um, model of learning and we just try to, you know, personalize it so we call it Davis Way. Uh, we quarterly we all leaders come together and we spend we we start the the half day activity doing an observation and our process excellence leader Elizabeth she she will tell us and give us the the sheets and the the and the instructions on what what we're observing and why what methodology we're observing, whether it's it's just just to observe 
work being performed or to observe and ask questions and get a better understanding. So we start every quarter when we do that uh, event, we start it with some type of observation just to get leaders comfortable with doing it. And it's funny, the departments that are observed, because we do it in small groups, and so we hit multiple departments, our departments are starting to get really comfortable with leaders walking in and just standing there observing mm-hmm. them. Well, that's, that's, that's a good thing. Sometimes that comfort it, it takes a little time to build. I've seen in different settings. At first, people kind of tense up or they think maybe instinctively, oh, what's wrong? And then they yeah. learn that this is actually uh, becomes normalized. And it's something that's, that's helpful because I, I assume that observation people learn that leaders aren't there to find faults or it's, it's not an audit. You emphasize learning and understanding. Yeah. And we, and, and Elizabeth's great about making sure that, that we, we do a couple of things. She prepare or she informs the department leader, this is what we're coming, you know, make sure your people understand they are not in any way evaluating, judging. It is learn. They are learning to better understand. And, um, and, and we even, we even wear on our badges, we even wear little additional tag, tags that said observer, uh, observing to better understand. Oh. And, and then after we leave, we, when we're doing the more academic part of the training, everybody writes a thank you note to the person or persons that they directly observed. That, that seems like a really important, uh, part of the equation there. And, and you know, I was wondering, I mean, cause I mean, I think that this is something I've, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you do this because I've always tried to encourage leaders and I've seen how powerful it can be um, to go and observe the work for a period of time and, and to start to see the real reality. I, I think there's a risk sometimes when I see organizations now talking about, Oh, we go to the Gemba and a lot of times that means we stand in front of a bulletin board and you know hear reports of what's happening, which is a different reflection of reality than actually observing the work, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and, and that's just part of what we, you know, going to Gimba is not one thing. It is different types of things. And, and leadership has to be deliberate about what type of Gimba are you, are you trying to accomplish. Because you're supposed to learn from learn from that. So don't walking around, you know, the old, you know, I came up through graduate school when the, the phrase management by walking around was, <laughs> was the hot term. And, right. and, and um, Gimba is more than just management by walking around. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, Tom Peters, uh, I love Tom Peters. And, and it, he, I think, was the one who really popularized that phrase. But there are more effective things that leaders can do in walking around. I've been uh, before I got into healthcare, there was an organization where management by walking around meant, you know, going and slapping people on the back and shaking their yeah. hands. That's fine, yeah. but that doesn't really improve anything, I don't think. Yeah, I still have an old VHS tape of Tom Peters' um, 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 presentation in, um, in search of excellence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so do, do you mind, can you share, you know, is there a recent example that comes to mind of uh, an observation that you did as much detail as, as, as you would feel comfortable sharing yeah, I would, what you yeah, were observing say, and, and what, what you, what you learned from that? Yeah. Um, we, we, um, we, we, the last training we did, uh, we, we broke out into teams and, and, and the, the, the observation that we did was observing for safety. We were, we were looking for our, are we do, you know, when you just stand and look is the environment safe? Is the is the physical layout safe, or or is the interactions are the between staff safe? And so you're really, you know, Elizabeth had us focus on on safety. So we went we went to a, a nursing unit, and and we uh, we kind of broke off, and it was a busy day, so we kind of broke off in ones and twos. For my team, other teams went different areas, but my team of about eight people. Broke it broke off into ones and twos, so you didn't have six people standing around one nurse. So, and then we just observed either nurses or nursing assistants, and and you know you really you, you're paying attention to a specific aspect of work, and and it's and it's really about does this employee do we have we created for this employee a safe environment? 
professionally, physically, uh, and, and emotionally. And, and that really, you know, you're really, it makes your mind run while you're trying to watch it and think, okay, this is something you, you realize I've never really paid attention to that kind of thing before in a focused manner. And so, and so it, it was, it was very enlightening and you see things, uh, and that, you know, that's one of the things I, I, I'm much more, and not just because of that, I mean, but because I've been, been trying to practice lean for, for, for a while, um, uh, safety is something that I'm much more focused on when I just walk around and observe than I used mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Is that safe? And, and could it be safer? Um, and that, so that was really, really, and I think even, even the, the, the people who, who had didn't have very much experience in it. It was very eye opening uh, about just how to observe a, an, yeah. a, a, a worker and the environment that they work in. Yeah, um, you know it's really powerful for leaders at all levels. I'm, I'm sure you're setting an example as CEO. There's an expectation that leaders working under you in the organization are doing the same thing. Is that a fair assumption? <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, that, that was very deliberate. You know, we, when we, when we developed the Davis way, we used, um, you know, the, a company called value capture out of Pittsburgh and, 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 and they, and, and, and they were very adamant that when, when I was first meeting with them, that from their perspective, uh, uh, that, that the CEO has to be, has to be directly engaged in this and has to be setting the example and, and those types of things. And I must say for me, it was, it wasn't that hard because I observed that at mercy, um, Jim Fitzpatrick, who was the CEO there, he, he, he was there with us the whole time we were learning. Mm-hmm. So, so that was kind of the example that was set for me. So for me, it, that was like, okay, that's what a CEO does when they're trying to, to say to an organization, we need to, we need to learn the principles and the culture of lean if we're if we're going to be uh, a, a a performance improving organization. Yeah, and 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 James Fitzpatrick or Fitz, uh, he, he's somebody I've been trying to get on the podcast for for a long time. I, I've crossed paths with him in Iowa, and I, I think through yeah, we, an event called the Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit that that he's uh, participated in. Um. And, you know, it's just, by the way, it's just a quick detour. You know, you mentioned, you know, having been in Iowa, you're in West Virginia now. Um, gosh, Iowa, compared to other states, really has seemed like a hotbed of lean uh, healthcare. And I think a lot of it is the company, manufacturing companies in the state. Uh, Pella is one that comes to mind where I know yeah. uh, people have left Pella and gone into health systems. Um um, I'm, I'm sure that I'm, I'm just blanking on other companies, but it seems like it's no accident that around the country where you, where you have good, a good base of lean manufacturing that that spreads through the community in different ways, either through people changing jobs or the manufacturers realizing, hey, we can help the hospitals improve quality and reduce cost on the health care that we're paying for for our employees. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, and and. You know, I don't know. There is a lot of manufacturing, especially on the eastern side of the state, and and uh, you know, Caterpillar has a has a and and um, there's a there's a I can't remember the name of it right now. One of the one of the there's a car manufacturer in in, in near there. So so yeah, I think I think there there is a lot of that cross fertilization, and and you see that um, in the county where we worked, there was a, a company. Um, it, that that made um, um, utility trucks for mining industries, and and they they do lean. And it was interesting. We were there just for a tour because they were in the in our service area, and and we provided a lot of of, of uh, workers comp care to their employees. And you know we were looking to work together on some other things. And walking through the plant, and all of a sudden, there's these huddle boards up there. Now, they were different from ours, but it didn't take you long to kind of figure out what the flow of their huddle board was. And so, it, you know, you even, in talking with them, you even learn things that they're doing. You're thinking, wow, I could probably use that in, in, in healthcare <laughs> as well. That's a pretty good concept or, or, or utilization of a tool. Um, one, one other thing I want to kind of come back and follow up on, you know, so is the power of leaders doing observation. And then you, you mentioned 
among the dimensions of safety, um, professional safety, I think, you know, creates, you know, it's a, a lean environment, you know, going back to Toyota and other examples, creates an environment, leaders create an environment where it's safe for people to speak up and either report a concern or a risk or a mistake. So I'm curious, um, you know, from your leadership role as a CEO, what types of things do you do to help create that environment where, where it is safe for people to point out safety problems that you can't yeah. see as an observer? Yeah, I think I think you know healthcare is is you know, safety, and, and and until I got into lean, you you, you just kind of accept all oh, safety is yeah that's healthcare. Of course we're safe, but but you know that Institute of Medicine report that came out several years ago that talked about uh, the number of 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 bad outcomes that occur in hospitals every year because they're avoidable. You know that you know I think it was one hundred nineteen thousand deaths per year that were avoidable in a hospital. And so there was this awareness of it, but, but when you start thinking about, you know, what really is safety and you talked about, you know, physical, professional, and emotional, and you really begin to focus on it, you understand, you begin to understand that it, safety is, is multifaceted and you have to, you have to really pay attention to it. And so, you know, we, we try to, when we say Davis way, it's, it's more than just lean tools. It's, it's a, it's a frame of mind and it's a, it's a, principle that you follow. And one of them is one of the mantras that we try to, and we use visual management and, and, and we try to really ingrain in our leaders to practice is it's process. It's not people. Uh, it's about the process and, and every new or new employee orientation, we do new employee orientation every other Monday. And I get an hour to do, to do my part as the CEO and that's something I say to people, you know, I've been in healthcare for over 30 years. Um, I've been in that environment where I've been responsible for an organization's quality management efforts. And, and when bad things happen, you're trying to pick it apart and dissect what happened and how it happened. And, and the history, I tell them, of healthcare, unfortunately, many times is when bad things happen, people point fingers and say, what did you do? And I said, what do you think happens when you do that to people? They, they, they avoid acknowledging unsafe situations mm, because yeah. they don't want somebody pointing a finger at them. And I, so I said, you know, the two things you have to keep in mind, it's process, it's, it's process, not people. And, and unsafe situations, you know, are, are, are call for people speaking up and saying, we have to stop what we're doing and make sure this unsafe situation doesn't impact us or our patients. And so, you know, it's one of those things where I I hope that that, that's a message I think we have to repeat constantly. Every orientation class, every every time we're training Mm -hmm. under Davis Way, we have to kind of reiterate because it's, it's so easy just to uh, to have a problem and say, okay, whose fault is that? Who did that? What happened? And 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 do that finger pointing, and you you've yeah. got to stay away from that. I mean, I think yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of human nature that we're battling there. Um, so I, you know, I appreciate what you're saying. It takes constant reinforcement, and you know, I would propose fighting this blame instinct um, requires practice and uh, vigilance. I mean, I as much as I have intellectually processed the idea we shouldn't blame people for systemic problems. There are still times in my life where I find myself thinking of like, oh, this waiter is terrible. I'm like, well, no, wait a minute. That's probably not actually the case, um, that there are systemic problems here. And I've gotten better at sort of stopping the thought before it comes out of my mouth. But, yeah, I, you know, there there is really, I think, a lot of um, evolutionary human nature that we're fighting here. It's, it's easy. It's tempting. It feels good to blame. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And it, yeah, it's, I, I have to, I, first thing I do is try to look inwardly before I, mm. I look outwardly mm-hmm. uh, so that I make sure I'm not coming across as, as, you know, something of a hypocrite myself. Yeah. That's a good, that's, 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 I think, a great leadership behavior and, and trait to demonstrate. Um, so I was wondering if we could go back a little bit. I'm, I'm curious if you can talk about when you first became CEO at Davis. You had this prior exposure to lean. Um, was lean, were, were you introducing lean or was there something that you were helping build upon or trying to help shape from your perspective as the new CEO? 
Yeah, I think I think you know when you're the new CEO, you know you you kind of have this thing, you know, you, I want to I want to show them how smart I am, you know, that you you want to come in and and say, you know, I, I, they hired me and they hired me for a reason, and and uh, I, you know we're going to be a great organization, and and you know the, you're you're looking for ways to say this is this is the value I bring to this organization, my ability to to bring bring new thoughts, new ideas and, and say, you know, uh, this is, this is where we can go. And, and, and healthcare, when I got here, um, was, was, uh, at a, at a, you know, it was at that point in Iowa, I think we were, we were seeing the competitive nature of healthcare really start to impact utilization and, and, and reimbursement and those things. West Virginia, being a very rural state, had been a little bit isolated. So there was not this awareness of, of the, the pressures that, that, were, that were occurring outside of this region. But I could see that, that these things were starting to, to come into play. So, so when I got here, there was, there was still a lot of, of operational practices that had that were in in part of healthcare and I had seen them used and and practiced for many years and you knew that you kind of know in your gut those are somewhat inefficient practices one of the first projects we did was create a call center here because this was you know for a rural community this is a large organization and 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 there were a lot of access points into the system uh, either outpatient services, inpatient clinical practices, those things, and each one of them stood independently. And and this organization received ten thousand calls per month. And and as I was, as you learn, uh, one of the problems that I was first presented with was that they were dropping over two thousand of those calls each month. So you get ten thousand phone calls of people trying to access healthcare. Two thousand of those, they don't even pick up the phone. <laughs> and you're thinking, you know, that nobody seemed bothered by that. That's just the way it was. And and so and so you really see an opportunity to say this is a significant process issue. Um, what we really need to do here is help people understand um, that, that the importance of the customer um, may, accessing your organization, your your capability, and then how they work their way through the organization so that you get them what they need and, you know, serving the customer. So it really, that was, that was one of the, uh, the very early things I picked up on was it wasn't that they, everybody was trying hard. Everybody was working hard. Everybody was doing what they thought needed to be done to serve the customer, the patient. And um, they just, they just, didn't have a perspective outside of the way they'd done it for so many years. And so I said, I think guys, we could benefit from, from uh, talking about use uh, lean um, process improvement activities. So I began to introduce it and that's when I reached out to, I had, I, um, I had known a gentleman in, in Iowa who had formerly been with value capture in Pittsburgh and I reached out to him and he connected me with them. And we began to talk about how could we, how can we introduce this and educate um, um, this organization about lean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and I wanted to mention earlier, since you mentioned value capture again, um, you know, they, their founder and um, uh, chairman Paul O'Neill is I, I think legendary in yeah. uh, manufacturing and safety circles, leadership circles. Um, he's done a lot um, in, in healthcare to promote, um, among a number of things, the idea that that leaders, executives, CEOs really have to lead lean. They can't just sponsor it or support it. Um, you know, that safety is um, a really motivating driver for um, organizational habitual excellence. And I, I did have a chance, um, I'll, I'll point listeners back to episode 124. I had a chance to talk with Mr. O'Neill um, to hear his thoughts about applications of that, these ideas to patient safety. So you can go to leanblog.org slash 124. And um, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to interview um, Mr. O'Neill um, again sometime. So, so apologize, Vance. I just wanted to kind of insert that. that no, that, I'm, I'm with you. I want to hear it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause he's, you know, you got a lot of uh, wisdom and firsthand yeah, experiences I, to share. And, and, you know, and Paul's one of those people that, you know, I knew, I knew him, I knew his name primarily because when, when he served in Washington, D.C. as Secretary of the Treasury, 
And uh, so I, I was familiar with the name, but I didn't realize his background with Alcoa and then his work with value capture and, and having sit and listened to him talk about safety, it really changed, gave me a, whole, a very different perspective and, and really re-energized me. So, you know, I, I love sitting and listening to him talk about his experiences and, and, and how, how, do you, how do you say we're going to be the safest company in the world? Um, and and, and it, it's, it's, it's a very different perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to ask because you know safety as as an important priority um, for any organization or you know, it should be it's worth articulating and not assuming um, but I wanted to ask you how do you define true north or, or how did you help Davis Health System come to agreement or alignment yeah. around priorities and the articulation of, of true north yeah you know we i had again in, in iowa we had we had used um the, the 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 mother and baby a3 the hoshin planning for for saying okay so so where is it you want to be in in 12 months 18 months what whatever your long-range planning horizon looks like where is it you want to be what is it you want to look like in two years three years five years and what metric will tell you you've accomplished that because when I got here, I, I could see that, yes, that we, West Virginia, had been a little insulated from what was happening with, with health reform and, uh, and, and the changes that were occurring in healthcare. But you could see those clouds on the horizon and you knew it was coming. And, and so I said, you know, we have to, we really have to put some emphasis on and priority on understanding what's happening, how we're going to prepare for it. And and how do we move the organization in that direction? So so you know we 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 you know I brought in and said okay guys how do we how do we focus our planning and say we're going to have some true north metrics? Now it was interesting when I was in Iowa, you know they were really focused on saying that you have you know they and it, maybe I don't know if they're still the same, but it, you know one true north metric you, you, that 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 you know you've got that one northern star that you're pointing towards and how do you get there and 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 my experience with it was uh, leading in a hospital there was trying to to trying to take all aspects of it you know the and the we had the four pillars uh, of, of of quality and safety patient engagement employee engagement and and sustainability but how do you get all four of those to point in one direction so I, you know, working with value capture, I, I just said, is it, I, can I, can I just have four true North metrics? And, and they, they reinforced, yeah, you can do it. And this is how you can do it. So we set up one, one true North metric for each of those four pillars and said, that's what we got to get to. If we get to that point, uh, then we should be successful in driving the organization in the direction that it needs to be and accomplishing the things that it needs to be uh, accomplished in order to be successful in taking care of patients, doing it at, uh, at high quality with a lot of, with, you know, importance on safety and, and, and doing it at the lowest possible cost so that we can reduce the, the price to the, to the customer. Yeah. Um, so, so what, are, if you don't mind me asking, what are those four measures? So, so we have, um, uh, our, our patient engagement is, you know, because all hospitals have to participate in the HCAP scoring system. We, right now we're using, uh, would recommend because to us, that's, a you know, you look, you read about the, the, what's behind the would recommend score. It's a measure, a proxy measure for loyalty, patient loyalty. Will they come back to you over and over again? So, you know, we want to, right now, our goal is the 85th percentile. So be in the top 15% of hospitals. Uh, it, where patients say, "I would recommend you to my family and friends," uh, and then, and then we have uh, employee engagement, which is which is uh, we do a survey called the Wong survey. A Dr. Wong developed it, so it's named after him. And it, it's really a survey we do every six months, asking employees, "Does do do you do you feel like you do your work in a with with quality and in, a, and in a safe way do your coworkers practice quality and safety does your person do the leader of your department does the senior leadership so do you believe that this organization is focused on providing a safe environment and quality um services and and then we have a sustainability 
uh, where we where we're, we we talk about we have to have we have to have be have a, a profitability level in order to to sustain and grow the organization and develop the services we need. And then quality is a it's a it's a it's a different one in that we you know we measure well over 250 metrics of between quality and safety, and 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 we we need to be transparent with that. So we kind of from that we gel it down to about 21 metrics. We call it our executive scorecard. And we give it a grade point average. You know, one of the things I, I, I tell people is, you know, everybody understands the difference between a 1.0 student and a 4.0 student. So if you're going to be transparent, give the, the reader a, 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 a mark that they, they understand where you stand when they, when they look at it. So we take every metric and we score it um, and, and we weight it and we say our GPA is X as an organization. And, and, and we, and we even color code those because every year, it's funny, every year we'll, we'll, we'll finish a year and we'll, we'll, we'll say our current goal is 3.4 GPA. So a, a B student and, and we'll get there because we'll focus on the things that are not scoring where they should. And then we'll see, we still have, we still have areas where we're underperforming. So we'll reweight those categories or those areas and put more emphasis, more weight on those areas. And our score will drop down to, to, you know, 2.5, 2.6. And as we work through the year, we get back to the end of the year, we're back up to 3.4, 3.6 typically. And, and so it, it really kind of forces you just to, to reevaluate what are you focused on when it comes to quality and safety and are you improving? And if you get to your target, go focus on something else. So, so that, that has, I think that's been, that's been helpful. I still think the, the consumer side of this, they, we show it to them and we try to be transparent about it, but that we, the millennials seem to have a lot more interest in it than the baby boomers. <laughs> in that transparency, you mean as patients? Yeah. The, really? The, the, the patients, yeah. you know, the, the yeah. trends, you know, when, when pay, when you kind of display that data, um, uh, you know, I, th- I think, I think that that generational effect, um, plays out somewhat in that. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, there's old societal habits of, um, and some of it's generational of, uh, you know, doctors looking out for you, they know best, don't question them. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I've got a good doctor, you know, the patients, one of the things we talk about, patients perceive quality based on availability and affability. And if yeah. a doctor... <laughs> gives them those two things. They're a great doctor. They're a high quality doctor. I trust my doctor, which is, which is wonderful. Um, but, but, you know, the, the younger generations, they're a little, you know, they seem yeah. to be a little more <laughs> data driven and, and that loyalty to a specific provider is, is not, yeah. not what maybe older generations experience. Well, there, there, there's that challenge of when we talk about the perspective of customers, not every customer is the same in terms of exactly. expectations and what yeah. that customer values, right? Like I think about, you know, I look at things differently, I think because I'm an industrial engineer and a lean person and, you know, I um, go to the op- op- ophthalmologist a couple times a year and I'm the, usually the youngest person in the waiting room by a couple of decades. And I remember once where I, I, I could just tell, I, I knew it was like, it was right after lunch and there were maybe a dozen patients out in the waiting room and I overheard an older woman say to her daughter who had probably driven her there, she says, this doctor must be very good because there's a lot of people waiting. <laughs> well, that's a complete, that's completely different than the way I was looking. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they were they were stacking us up and forming a queue. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, when you when you mentioned twelve people in the waiting room, my mind was already going in multiple different directions. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm I'm curious. I want I want to come back to one thing you said earlier. You know, I think there's always a challenge in in, in leadership, a lean leadership, of finding the balance between you know setting direction and you know you are you know responsible for the organization. You are the CEO. Um, you know, but also creating an environment where, uh, you know, it's, uh, people can speak up and, and you play catch ball with ideas or you get input from others. So how do you balance, you know, earlier you said, and maybe you're saying this a little tongue in cheek, being the final decision maker. 
versus getting input from the leaders who report to you and, and others in the organization. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things, um, the, the, a couple of things that you know, I, 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 we all have, and, and I do, um, we all have daily standard work. You know, what is it that, that I'm going to do every day? And, 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 and we, we, as leaders, we, we, we try to be visual with that and we try to demonstrate that we do it. Um, and, and, and then when, when we're talking, you know, at, at different levels of discussion with, with leaders, what usually what I try to do is more talk about what what is it that I think we need to accomplish or what is it that what we've established in our strategic plan that we need to accomplish. I, I really feel like I'm I try to be more of a persuader because as I'm trying to persuade leaders, this is where we want to go. I'm looking for them to to maybe push back on that and then help me understand why. What what are the barriers that that you see that I'm talking about? What are the things that I'm saying we ought to be doing? you're having trouble understanding that or, or saying we're, we're going to have trouble getting there. And so, and so it, it's really, I don't, I don't, like I say, that the, the final decider, I, I think there's very few things where it, it gets to the point where they, you know, they come to me and say, okay, you got to decide this or, or I see it. And I say, okay, I'm just going to have to make a decision about this. I'm really more focused on trying to get everybody's input. Uh, and, and, and then if, if, if I see, you know, there's barriers in what they're presenting, I try to say, okay, here's what I see are the barriers in your discussion or your argument or whatever, and really have that back and forth dialogue. Even before lean, I, at one time I had, I was really looking into and studying in, in action learning, which, you know, Reg Revens out of, of England uh, developed that system, which I think is a lot of principles in, in action learning that are very similar to, to lean and but but his was he never really liked to define specific practices he was always the the open discussion the back and forth the learning from other people and the socratic method of learning um and i and, and i think in healthcare where you have all these specific process activities you're involved in you have to have tools you have to have ways to to, to for people to learn how to do their work but yeah, I think as a leader, it's really more about it's more about that with other leaders talking about what is it we're trying to accomplish and and how do we get there and and let's discuss the best way. And so I, you know, it, it's not about being autocratic in what we're doing. It's about it's it's everybody's learning. Oh, okay. You know, the the, the greatest moments are are when when leaders are doing observations or doing a3 problem solving and they're looking upstream and downstream of what they're what they're re- typically accountable for or responsible for and and they're getting those other perspectives they're learning what what those input activities really look like that that they have to deal with and and what the people the you know the out the people who are experiencing their output what they have to deal with and when you when you're willing to listen to other people, you, you really get educated. And, and at those moments when leaders say, wow, I never knew that's what that department went through with the stuff that we were sending them. Um, you know, and, and so I, I think it's, it's really, it's just having, it's being willing to have discussions and, and, and be, and it's, and it's about building relationships with other leaders. So that you're not automatically going, okay, uh, you know, I, I don't like that person and I'm just going to tolerate them uh, uh, until we get through this process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, may have a final question before we wrap up here. You know, what are some of your hopes and goals for 2019? What are some of the challenges that are most important? Yeah. I think you know we've we've been doing this for about three years now, and we 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 do Dave what we call our Davis Way training, and it and 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 we do about three or four departments at a time, where the leaders of the department there's usually a department leader, and then there's some we, we, there there's you know supervisors within that, and and they'll spend six months training and 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 the principles of lean, and they'll learn some of the tools, and so as we've introduced that and rolled it out, and we've had I think three cohorts graduate that process, you're really starting to see 
some of this cultural activity begin to develop, you know, you hear people, people who haven't even been through the training, you hear them using the term A3. Oh, we need to do an A3 on that. Or, or you know, and they're starting to use those things. And you hear terms like help chain, and we've got huddle boards up now, and a lot of the departments, and they're doing their daily huddles. And so you really, that, that, that the vernacular and the, 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 the methods are really starting to take hold. But, you know, one of the things you learn when you're, you know, what, about lean is that continuum of developing more and more and more tools to do things. So I think, I think in 2019, one of the things is really, uh, I think what we're focused on is, is looking at developing, being more intensive and in looking at standard work and helping people understand the value of standard work. And, and, and on observations, a big, one of the big observation models we're trying to develop is and, and help leaders become comfortable with is once you develop standard work, observing standard work, not to critique what they're doing when they're doing it, but to understand if they're not following the standard work, what's the barriers and why is that occurring? And maybe the improvement isn't as effective as you thought it was and you need to improve it again. And, and so leaders, you know, leaders are, 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 it's one of the things we try to teach. Your job is to remove the barriers for your, your people to be able to do the work. Your, your job is not to fix their problems for them. They fix their problems. You, you really need to be observing what they do and seeing what the barriers are and helping them improve the work they do. So I think 2019 is going to really be about getting getting more departments through the training, but also how do we begin to develop a, a more consistent model of standard work across the organization and helping people then see opportunities to improve that work. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing it back to that theme from earlier about observation. I think that's probably one of the um, strongest takeaways from um, all, all the great thoughts that you um, shared here today, Vance. So I want to thank you uh, again. I, I felt you know, maybe we can do another podcast because I feel like there's there's a lot that we could delve into. Can I sign Absolutely. you up for that? Perhaps. Okay. Well, that would be um, that would be great because I think it would be uh, there's all kinds of things we could talk about problem solving and and maybe do a follow up on that. But um, again, our guest today has been Vance Jackson, the president and CEO of Davis Health System in. West Virginia. Um, Vance, thank you so much for um, taking time to talk with us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.